0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. Lord, I pray for your presence this morning. I pray your blessing over every gift and every giver. We thank you so much for your provision in our lives, Lord. And I just pray uh, for a growth of your kingdom uh, in our hearts and in our community, in our nation, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, uh, no announcements today. I just want to say thank you, uh, Dave Fisher over here. A uh, few weeks in a row we've done that outreach and we had a good turnout yesterday for the, the, the community outreach. And you guys wrapped up the job yesterday, Dave? Yes, sir. So th- that's awesome. And uh, he's probably going to be pretty upset with me doing this, but Dave has been giving uh, every Saturday for, I don't know, six Saturdays in a row or something like that uh, towards this outreach. And uh, I just want to say, Dave, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it, uh, what you're doing. And um, do you want to, like, do a bow or just we can (laughs) clap for you? (laughs) 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 All right, we're going to continue the series that uh, we've been in called You Asked For It. We passed those cards around a few weeks ago. Uh, or a couple months ago, and we said, "What do you want us to talk about?" This can be something that has changed your life that you wish others knew more about, or it can be something that you want to know more about. Um, in the first week, we looked at the significance of the veil of the temple being torn as Jesus died on the cross. Uh, last week. Uh, we looked at the question, if we're living in the last days, what does that mean for how we live our lives today? And what we did is we kind of de-radicalized it uh, because Peter said that because we are living, not if we are living, but because we are living in the last days, that we should simply love one another deeply and serve one another and use our gifts and be hospitable towards one another. And when we speak, we speak with purpose. So when you turn on... um, What's that? Doomsday preppers. They don't talk about any of that. They talk about stockpile and ammo. But the Bible says, uh, simply love one another in these last days that we are living in. So uh, when we speak, we should consider that it's God speaking through us. But today, uh, I want to look at, um, it's actually several different different topics that were turned in that are kind of in the same vein as one another. It's topics uh, like uh, the question, how do we love those practically who are really hard to love? how do we forgive those who are really hard to forgive? Another one was how do we keep uh, from becoming bitter and holding animosity towards others, uh, such as politicians, for instance. And I tried to summarize them with just one question. So the topic today is how do we practically live out our faith towards people who make it difficult to do so? So how do we practically live out our faith towards people who make it difficult to do so? Uh, Now, this is not easy, but Jesus did stress the importance of it. Uh, In the Gospels, in uh, Luke 6, for instance, he said, you know, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, pray for those who mistreat you. And he said, if you only love those who love you, uh, what credit is that to you? In Matthew 6, he said, "Uh, if you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you don't, he won't. Uh, This is really crucial here when we're talking about loving others and forgiving others. So uh, we're going to talk about these things this morning, and I wish I could tell you that by the end of this morning, you'll leave here with a one, two, three steps for systematically loving those that are hard to love. And it'll just be like, boom, I went to church, and now I can forgive those who were hard to forgive. But it's not really that easy. Uh, Some parts of our Christian faith, to live them out and walk them out, It's really hard. That doesn't make us any less called to it. It's just, in truth, it's hard to do. Uh, I told this story several years ago, um, actually back in the mall, I think. I think there's a statute of limitations on pastor's stories where I can retell them, Um, (laughs) and mine is really short. But anyways, uh, uh, years ago, it's been over 10 years ago, I was interning at this church, uh, and the pastor kind of gave his formula for loving those who are hard to love. And I'm kind of that systematic guy, like, you give me a formula, I'll try it out. But at the time, I was living in a duplex, and there were between the two sides about nine of us guys who were living on one of the sides of the duplex. We were in this internship together, and I remember one day we were in class, and someone asked the question, how do you love those who are really hard to love? And specifically, they said, how do you love other Christians who can be difficult to love? Rather than the pastor saying, I don't know, which he should have said, he said, well, try giving them money. Now, I don't know if he thought that they were talking about him. If he did, that is genius. <laughs> but uh, logically, I didn't really see like the connection there. But you know, pastors are never wrong. So I thought maybe he knew what he was talking about. So I said, okay, there's somebody in my life at the time who... They're really hard to love. In fact, they were part of that church, and they really got on my nerves. Like, think of the worst person that gets on your nerves and multiply it. That was this guy. So I said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take $20. $20 at that time was a lot of money. Now that we have kids, it's a lot of money. (laughs) But uh, I said, I'm going to take this $20, and I'm going to give it to this guy. And from then on, you know, I'll have no... Trouble loving him. the The pastor had said, "You know, if you're supporting his ministry, how can you have trouble loving him?" So I I called. Actually, it was at church, and this guy was walking by, and I said, "Hey, come here." I said, "I need to give you this," and he was like, "What? What is this?" I said, "Don't worry about it. I just need to give you this," and and I gave him twenty dollars, and I went home, and I came back to church uh, the next day, and he was there, and absolutely nothing had changed (laughs) except that he had my money. (laughs) That is the only thing that changed. And I'm like, I am out $20 for nothing. And I went home and I laid down in bed and uh, I felt something under my pillow and I pulled it out and there was a $20 bill. And I thought, God gave me a refund (laughs) just for my faithfulness. But then I recognized that Everyone who had access to my pillow was in that same meeting where the pastor said, if you don't love someone, try giving them money. And I thought, somebody finds me as hard to love as I find that guy. So you might be thinking of someone specific who is really hard for you to love. There's a good chance that they're in church somewhere thinking about you this morning in the same context. But all that is to say, I've heard people try to give really simple like uh, one, two, three answers to this question. But if we're being honest, there is no easy answer. Uh, This has been kind of a difficult message to prepare. It's somewhat challenging to deliver. And it might be challenging for you to hear. But I can guarantee you it will be challenging for you to walk out and to live this message today. What we're talking about is really at the crux of the Christian journey. Uh, We're talking about learning to live in the manner that God has called us to live, and in a manner that is reflective of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, Often, uh, what we find the case to be is uh, learning to live this way is simply a matter of kind of bridging the gap between what is already true of us spiritually speaking and what we're struggling to get to in the natural. Uh, There are truths about us in Scripture where we are given our identity in Christ, that sometimes it just doesn't feel like that's a reality for us. And I just want to show you this, this gap that we're trying to bridge in the Bible. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, it's a really powerful chapter of Scripture. It's all about uh, the effect that the cross has had on our life. Uh, and we were in Hebrew 10, Hebrews 10 a couple of weeks ago. When we were looking at the tearing of the veil, it's in Hebrews 10 where it talks about Jesus is our new curtain. He's our access to God. And now we can approach him because of the cross with confidence and boldness. And it's also here in Hebrews chapter 10, still in the context of what was accomplished for us on the cross that we find verse 14. So Greg, if you'll put that on the screen, it simply says, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. What we find in this, this one passage of Scripture is kind of two realities that we are trying to mesh together. The first is that we have been made perfect forever. That is your spiritual reality in Christ. You have been made perfect. In the eyes of God the Father, he looks at you, he sees the blood of Christ, and you have been made perfect. It's accomplished. It's done. But then he says this, "...been made perfect forever those who are being made holy." In other words, that that spiritual reality you have, you are still trying to walk it out. Being made holy is the process of sanctification, and it's in the ongoing tense. It's us trying to reflect in our natural lives what's already true of us in the spiritual. We're trying to make this connection. In this case, it's righteousness. We are righteous before God, but we are still trying to live righteous lives here on the earth. And sometimes... This is a whole lot easier said than done. Uh, Sometimes it feels like a fight. Sometimes it feels like you're losing that fight. What I would say to you is keep fighting. When you get knocked down, uh, don't beat yourself up, but just get up and keep trying. Because if we look at even the legends of our faith, such as Paul, what we find in Paul um, is, is he struggled with this too. You know, it was Paul who wrote about half of the New Testament. He wrote things like, uh, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Paul wrote things like, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul wrote things that if we wanted to have a spiritual pep rally, uh, we would turn to Paul. Some really exciting things. But Paul uh, also wrote about the struggles that he had at times to walk out his own faith. The guy who wrote half of the New Testament was honest about this. And we find it, for instance, in Romans chapter 7. This is Paul writing. he He says, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. We see a war taking place, Paul calls it, in his own life. And then he says, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? So this struggle is very real. But this struggle we should embrace and we should fight. Uh, I I love what Paul does after that because he talks about this struggle that he has in, in his own life, this war that's waging in his own life. But then he expresses how even though he struggles with these things and even how he feels like sometimes he is practicing evil, I mean, that's the way that he feels. That's the way he expresses it. But then he goes on from there, and he talks about how even though that's the case, his spiritual reality is unchanged. So if we continue into verse 24, uh, he said, What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. And then verse 25, he says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then the very next verse is Romans 8.1, and he says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there's your spiritual reality in Paul's life, that there's no condemnation. What that uh, literally means is legally, he is innocent. There is no sentence on his life. He says, the, the truth is, I struggle with some of these things. But when it comes down to it spiritually, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Uh, I'm betting some of you can relate to this idea of this war raging inside of us between uh, our spiritual reality and trying to get there in our flesh. Um, Paul wrote again in, in 517 Second Corinthians, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. But there are days when it feels like the old is popping back up. Uh, there are days when it feels like the old never left. And uh, is it because you've lost your faith? Is it because the Holy Spirit has left you in those moments? No. Uh, The reality is walking according to the Spirit of God is not a one-time decision. It's not a one-time thing. It's a daily decision, and if you really want to get down to it, it's a moment-by-moment decision to walk according to the Spirit of God. So again, Paul was straightforward with his audience about the struggles in his own life. But while he was admitting that it's not easy to walk by the spirit and admitting that even he struggled with this sometimes, he did give us uh, kind of uh, his instructions to practice. To the Galatian church, he said this uh, pretty simply uh, in 516. He said, so I say, walk by the spirit. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. We see this battle taking place again. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. I love this because Paul kind of breaks it down for, uh, for us. He brings it back to the core issue of our struggles. He says at the root of all of our, our struggles in loving those who are hard to love, forgiving those who are hard to forgive, maybe it's a, a sin issue for you, he says at the root of it is a conflict between your flesh and the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You know, the Bible says living inside of you this morning is the very same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And the Bible tells us that that spirit does not make us fearful, and we mentioned this last week, but it is a spirit that gives us power, literally dynamite, explosive power. But here's the church, or here's the truth, church. If you deduce the function of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life to simply power, to simply power in times of of, uh, miracle-working power, then you've done a great injustice to the purpose of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, if you remove the power of the Holy Spirit, you've done just as great of an injustice. But if you deduce it down to just, that's what the Holy Spirit is, power, nothing else, then it's an injustice to what the Holy Spirit's purpose is in your life. Because the Spirit's work in you is far more complex than simply that dynamite power. What we find in the Holy Spirit is actually every quality of Jesus Christ, every trait of Jesus Christ has been placed in the Spirit and placed inside of you. So that you can walk in the character of Jesus Christ. And in fact, if we stay in that passage in Galatians 5, where he talks about this conflict between the Spirit of God inside of us and our own flesh, and he talks about this war that's raging, and he talks about how it's kind of this tug of war, he gets to verse 22 and he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. So what we find is there's a whole lot more to the purpose of this spirit inside of you. It's also supposed to be uh, spurring you to love, joy, and peace, and all these things. And then he says in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then he says in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, how do we love the unlovable? How do we forgive the unforgivable? How do we avoid animosity towards others? And the first point this morning is we live in constant submission to the Holy Spirit. Again, this is not a one-time decision in your life. Hey, I, I got saved, so I'm automatically in submission to the Holy Spirit. No, this is a decision we make on a daily basis to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. When Paul wrote in Ephesians 5 to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he used the language that means be being filled, be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a continual action, and we have to be intentional about this, church. You have to be intentional about submitting to the Holy Spirit. And Paul uses this word uh, to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, uh, which means actually to march, as in the military you march. He's saying march with the Holy Spirit and um, the reason he uses that language, when I was in basic training, some of you might remember this uh, if you've been in basic training. <laughs> uh, but uh, one of the first things they teach you is to march. And you just think you know, you're walking you know, in the same direction at the same time. There's a little more to it. What they, they teach you is to be so in sync with everyone around you that you don't actually have to look at them to know what's going on. Uh, and one of the things we learned before you graduate is when you're walking, you, you can look up in the sky and know exactly what is going on all around you and stay in perfect sync. And that's what Paul is kind of giving us the the idea of here, is you are so in step with the Holy Spirit that you know what the Holy Spirit is doing. You know where the Holy Spirit is leading, what the Holy Spirit is saying. You are step in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, he also says here that we have crucified our flesh. And that sounds really painful. And the reason is because it's really painful. Um, There are so many places that we need to crucify. Uh, We need to crucify our pride. We need to nail it to the cross. Some of us, our reputations that we've worked so hard to build and we're so proud of and we don't want to let go of, we need to nail it to the cross. There are so many places, church, for some of us, it is our very purpose in life, We've kind of held on to our own mission when God is calling us to something else. We need to nail it to the cross. When Paul said, I count everything else as loss, Paul had worked so hard on his reputation in life. Paul had worked so hard on being respected by, by all the, the fellow Pharisees. Yet he said, none of that matters anymore. In light of the calling of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, I lay it all down. I crucify it all just to follow Jesus. Some of us need to make that decision. In Romans 12, Paul is is talking about this act of crucifying our flesh, but he uses another phrase to paint the picture. Uh, In verse 1, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He uses this oxymoron of a living sacrifice. You can't be living and be a sacrifice Unless you're a Christian, that's what you're called to. You're called to be someone who has died to yourself and died to your flesh and crucified yourself. And you are simply a a vessel for God to use for his kingdom. That is your calling in life is to be a vessel for God to use for his kingdom. And then Paul actually connects it uh, after this of of how do we become a living sacrifice? He connects it to our mindset if we continue in verse 2. He says, so do not conform or do not be guided by or directed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. This is point two this morning if we're talking about how do we love those who are hard to love? How do we forgive those who are hard to forgive? We renew our minds daily. We are constantly people who are renewing our minds. I think that I have that on the screen if you want to put it up there, Greg. Um, Now, how do we renew our minds? This begins in the Word of God. We've got to be getting the Word of God into us, not just on Sunday mornings for half an hour. You have to get the Word of God into your life. Whether this is podcasts or messages, the best place for you is the Bible itself. Who would have thought? Church, we have to open the Word of God and get it into our life. But Paul actually talked about a way that we can renew our minds if we don't have access to the Word of God. In Philippians 4.8, he said, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely and admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. He said, this, this is a part of a renewing your mind. When we make the decision that this is what we're going to dwell on, we're not going to dwell on all the things uh, that are in the news and, and all the things that we're angry about with politicians. We're not going to dwell about all on all the things that people have wronged us or all the ways people have wronged us. We're going to begin to dwell on the things that are pure and lovely and excellent and the word of God. Uh, I remember in college when... when Uh, we were studying other religions like Buddhism and and, and, uh, uh, Islam, just different religions, and we were talking on the subject of meditation. And they were comparing Middle Eastern meditation with Christian meditation. uh, Because sometimes we we don't meditate because we don't like that word because it makes us think of other religions. But when we get down to it, actually, we are called to meditate in a sense. Uh, David says that he meditated, but there's a difference between our meditation... And Middle Eastern meditation. In, in the Middle East and other religions, meditation is the emptying of the mind. That's the entire purpose, to completely empty the mind of all thoughts. In Christian meditation, it's actually the opposite it's to completely fill the mind with the thoughts of God and the Word of God. We are supposed to be meditating on the Word of God constantly. Uh, as we prepare to close, I, I want to revisit a passage that I referenced earlier. Uh, when Paul writes that we are new creations in Christ, he does this in, in uh, verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5. So we're going to back up and read the two verses right, uh, right before that. So we'll start with verse 15. And Paul says, Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and was raised again. Now this is important to see right here that, that Paul is trying to get a, a point across here, that Jesus died for all, not just for the believer, but he died for everyone, so that anyone who lives, so that anyone who is alive today would live for Christ. So in verse 16, he says this: "So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So he actually says, because we understand that God died for everybody, that should change the way that we regard others, that we should actually look at others differently on the basis of what God did for them. And actually, if we back up one more verse, Paul kind of gives us one more instruction here on how we change the way we regard others. In verse 14, he said, For Christ's love compels us, Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. What is it that that it's supposed to change the way that we regard others in this world? We're actually supposed to be compelled by the love of Christ, not just for us, but by the world around us. If we can understand how much God loves Nancy Pelosi, then we would pray for her instead of gossip about her. If we could understand how much God loves the world around us, instead of bashing them, we would begin praying that God would reveal his great love for them. Our natural tendency, church, is to to treat others based on our perception of them when the calling we have is to treat others based on God's perception of them. Now, one of the keys here is if God's love is going to compel us to how we treat others and how we love others and and forgiveness for others, then that means that you have to understand God's love for you. It's very hard for you to, to treat someone on the basis of something you know nothing about. You have to understand that God loves you that God gave his life on the cross for you and that he would do it again. And that same love that perhaps you've discovered is the same love that God has for your worst enemy, church. And we should treat them the way that God has called us to treat them. the Bible actually says that when God gave his life on the cross for you, you were his enemy. It says while we were enemies of God, he gave his life on the cross for us. It wasn't because we had turned our lives around and that we were trying really hard and going to church and tithing and reading our Bible. So Jesus said, okay, I'll die on the cross. No, the Bible says it came long before that. While you were lost and dead in your sin, enemies of God, he poured out his life for you on the cross. So point number three this morning, and Renee, if you want to go ahead and come, point number three is we have to change our point of view to God's point of view. We have to see others from the angle that God sees uh, other people. We have to regard others through the lens of God's love for them. Um, I have been uh, with, with our oldest son, J.R., we're taking violin lessons together a couple times a month, um, but, oh, it's an ugly church. But, <laughs> <You know, yeah. laughs> uh, um, but I've been, uh, I've been playing guitar for uh, close to 25 years now, and it's almost like second nature. Uh, I don't have to think about where my fingers are going on the guitar or, or how to strum. Uh, I've been doing it for so long that uh, I can just play like Bon Jovi, it's amazing. I should show <laughs> you sometime. But I, I, I pick up the violin and I'm thinking, you know, I've been playing guitar for so long, I'll probably just be able to pick this up and start playing. And what I'm finding is it doesn't translate. So what I'm having to do is when I try to play the violin, I have to be so purposeful about this isn't like it used to be. This isn't like the guitar anymore. And I have to think this in my head. With the guitar, I did it one way, but this is different. And I I have trained myself for 25 years to have this mindset that now I'm trying to change all of a sudden for something else. And And for us, church, we have a mindset that is bound in the flesh, that is bound by selfishness, and the Bible is calling us to have a mindset of the Spirit. And it's not gonna be easy because you have trained yourself We are trained in our minds one way. And God is calling us to think when we walk out the doors, how do I walk in the Spirit in this moment? And how do I walk in the Spirit in this moment? It's not a decision that you can make right now and you're good for the rest of the year. It is a moment-by-moment decision. And there is a war raging between you or inside of you between your flesh and the Spirit of God. And there are going to be times where the flesh wins. And what Paul would say is, I forget what is behind me, and I press on towards the prize. I press on towards the goal in Christ Jesus. And when I fall again, I get up and I press on because that is what we've been called to, church. We have been called to press on. We have been called to reflect Jesus Christ, to reflect His love and his forgiveness and his passion spirit is trying to do, that we hear your spirit's because hopefully by this time next week we will have all of the angel tree tags on the tree out there. So it's an outreach we do every year, uh, where we partner with Nago County human services to provide Christmas presents for, for kids who's, who can not afford them basically. Uh, so we should have those tags out there hopefully next week. I think we're doing 20 tags this year. And then one other outreach, uh, we support a ministry. They've, they've spoken here before, um, life made new ministries and, um, uh, it's a, a, a ministry towards uh, adolescents and juveniles and and they you know, how would you explain that Teresa? Um, uh. Christian based mentorship to uh, youth that are in crisis or oh. just youth. Okay. So everything she she just said um, <laughs> but they are doing something for the first time this year where they are going to open up a Christmas store uh, for kids to come and, and pick out presents, or parents to come and pick out presents for free, and we're our church is actually going to host that store this year. And what they are asking is if you have any old toys that you want to donate to that, so you don't have to buy new toys for that. But if you have anything old that you want to donate, you can just what's that? That's like new. Yeah, like new is fine. Our kids are yeah, our kids are like, I don't want this anymore. They can, no, but if you have anything, you can just bring it uh, any Sunday. And that is, is it December 11th, I think, something like that? Um, we're going to set up the store, actually, on December 15th okay. on Thursday, and then the store will be open Friday evening and Saturday. Okay. And 17th. Okay, so you have a, a few weeks that you can be bringing anything in that you want to. Yeah. Anything we'll else? Some toys okay, awesome. Right. Our kids will go through them first. so. <laughs> 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 I just know them. Now, uh, Lord, I, I pray that uh, you go with us this week. Uh, that uh, we will be vessels for your kingdom, that you will pour us out and use us in mighty ways. Uh, I pray that we will just walk hand in hand with your spirit and in your grace and in your power. Um, I pray that you help us, that you empower us to love those who are hard to love uh, and to forgive those who we struggle to forgive. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Church, have a good Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.